Blog Talk Radio. All right now. Yeah. Welcome to the movement, baby. We're going to change education. Check out shungleblake.com. I say it again, shungleblake.com. Teaching reading uniquely to reverse underperformance. True school is here. Now let's be clear. Our impact will be enormous to the people across this nation. Eagerly anticipating a sound from the streets that's so unique it'll transform education. This is school, the killing field, where they kill a lover learning and not children for real. That's the deal. Now we gotta change things around, close gaps down. This a new sound, true school. This is this radio show, shovelbig.com, flow, in case you wait, no. And now we gonna change things, one school at a time, one rhyme at a time. Yeah, we gonna shine, time to shine media, yes. Yeah, we've been blessed, putting suckers to the test, so teaching reading so uniquely. That's right. Gotta make you think deeply. Uh, teaching reading uniquely to reverse underperformance. True school is here. Now let's be clear. Our impact will be enormous to the people across this nation. Yes, brothers and sisters, welcome, welcome again to another segment of True School Radio here on the Keys 107 Network. I'm your host, Shungo Blake, also known as Mr. B by my students also known as the hip-hop principal, but uh, the, the name that I like best or the title that I like best is brother because it simply means the other part of yourself. Uh, I want to let you know that if you want to call in today and make comments, questions, or just, you know, tell us what you think about the show, tell us what you think about what you're hearing, you can call the number 213 Three six one eight and press number one on your keypad. That is two one three nine four three three six one eight and press number one on your keypad. Um, this week's uh, show is going to we're going to deal with the the term at risk youth. What does it mean? Uh, how do we define it? And what are we doing to address it? Uh, in our school system, you hear a lot about young people. Um, both in the schools and in their in their community that are involved in behavior that would be considered at risk. It could be uh, gang behavior. It could be being involved in the selling of narcotics. It can be uh, a number of issues, um, just not attending school, high absenteeism rate, uh, hanging out, and just really no focus and direction. And, and I always, uh, I'm a firm believer that that when we look at our children, it's not just the, the 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 academics. It's the social that impacts on the academics. And what do I mean by that? A lot of times we look at young people who are failing in school and we think, well, they can't read or they, they, they're, they're low functioning. And a lot of times these students who are defined as low functioning really are high functioning students. It's just that they have several social things going on in their life that uh, distract them from really focusing on education in a way that they should be. So as a result of uh, consistently drawing their attention to other elements in the neighborhood and not focusing on their studies, they fall behind and eventually fall behind, the, uh, they, they fall in between the cracks. But this does not mean that these young people are not intelligent and with 
the right guidance cannot be guided right back on track and focused on what they need to do to become successful young adults. And, again, the focus of this program is to start a conversation around solving educational issues. And we want to highlight the problems that plague inner city schools and, and urban communities, but we also want to focus on solutions. We're very good at overanalyzing the problem. We're not good at coming up with pragmatic solutions to address these educational issues. So we're looking for models of success. We're looking for role models, people who have done innovative and effective things to come on our show and talk to us about what they're doing so that maybe that the things that they're doing can be duplicated. And, of course, I like to always use my example of turning a low-performing middle school into uh, one of the uh, uh, top schools in the district for reading, math, and science. And if you want to find out about my work and what I do around educational reform, then you can get in contact with me by going to www.shungleblake.com and go to True SK Consultant page. That's www.shungleblake.com and go to True SK Consultant page or like us on Facebook by going to Facebook slash shungleblake.com or, yes, there's another or, follow me on Twitter at shungleblake. So this week we're going to be talking to a very uh, um, interesting and effective educator and social worker. His name is Francisco A. Gerardo, uh, and, and and he's innovative because he 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 has his hands involved in a number of things. In one sense, he deals with social work and he works with young people, what we would consider at-risk youth and their families. And on the other side, he does music production. He's very involved in hip-hop, and he has a, a, a coming-of-age story that I think will, will positively impact those of you who are listening. And I, I want to say this to you right now. If you have young people in your house, tell them to come sit down, Listen to the program. Let's let's sit with our children together and begin a conversation. Because I think what he's going to be talking about today is going to absolutely uh, save lives. And so I want to start off by uh, reading you his bio. Um, again, Francisco A. Gerardo, social worker and community organization or organizer. Uh, Francisco A. Gerardo is a is currently a program director at a CBO in Yonkers, New York, and a consultant for a fatherhood program in Queens, and a director of programs who has been in the field of social work, human services for over 19 years. Mr. Geraldo is working with communities and individuals with diverse issues such as domestic violence, HIV AIDS, mental health, substance abuse, incarceration, gang prevention, homelessness, and more. Mr. Geraldo has a master's in social work degree from Hunter School of Social Work and is working for and is working on his MSW license and CSAC uh, certification. Being born and raised in the rugged streets of the Bronx, Mr. Geraldo has a strong passion and connection with the needs and concerns of individuals, communities that are underserved. Mr. Rado brings a tremendous amount of life experience and is committed to improving the quality of life of individuals and strengthening families in our community where there is a need for change. He's also involved with music and entertainment. 
He's also a DJ turn. Uh, I'm gonna say this term right. Turn tableist, producer, hip hop artist, poet, and entrepreneur looking to express his thoughts and visions through music, art, uh, forms, and working with New York community residents. He is the turntablist DJ producer for Division X and co-owner, executive producer of Royal Shine Entertainment, which is an independent record company since 2000. He has released several albums with Division X and hosts DJ for BBX mixtapes with Kaya E. Landlord and various reggaeton Spanish hip-hop artists from Latin countries. He has worked, performed, with signed and unsigned independent artists such as Talib Kweli, Most Def, Saigon, Prodigy, Common, La Bruja, Dead Prez, Immortal Technique, Rebel Diaz, Hassan Salam, Red Clay, Chaos, Grand Omar, Ray Severo, Saigon Ari, Y, Chilo of Grito de Poetas, and a lot more. Much bless ups to those that have been following Division X and BBMX tape, and he says one. I mean, brother is very diverse, I mean, from the social to the music. I believe that there's a connection between what's happening in our communities and the social issues that exist in hip-hop in this current state, and we're going to get into that discussion and dialogue. Um, let me proudly present to you our guest for tonight, Mr. Francisco A. Geraldo, are you there, sir? Yes, sir. How are you doing? How are you, brother? I'm, I'm so uh, uh, thankful that you be, that you were able to join us tonight, and we're really looking forward to you know getting into this conversation and chopping it up with you, and just hearing about your experiences and, and what you could bring to us in the way of solutions as it comes to dealing with our young people. Oh man, I really appreciate that. More than welcome. Yeah, so I'm going to start off. Uh, you, you, I know that you grew up in the Bronx, according to what we read in the Bible, and based upon some conversations that we've had. What part of the Bronx did you grow up? I grew up in the part on High Bridge. It's like right up the block from the new Yankee Stadium that they just built on okay. on 162nd and, and Jerome Avenue. Okay, and, and, and what was it like growing up in New York City, especially that part of the Bronx in, in the 80s? Oh man, it was well. First of all, I just want to give a, a little a, a little gift of his history here. That area is like maybe half a half a mile away from Sedgwick. Um, the birth of hip hop, pretty much, where Cool DJ Herc pretty much started hip hop. You know, so mm-hmm. growing up in around that area back in the late seventies and early eighties, you know, pretty much everywhere I went, um, pretty much everybody understood where I lived because once I mentioned Yankee Stadium or Sedgwick. People knew exactly where I lived. And pretty much um, growing up at that time, you know, pretty much it was a combination of having fun and going through, like, a beautiful struggle. You know, because there was a lot of, um, a lot of burnt-down buildings at, at that time. You know, there was a, le- a lot of empty lots. You know, so the visions of the Bronx was pretty much, you know, burnt-down buildings, a lot of empty lots, you know, you had a lot of empty lots where, you know, just mattresses laying around, kids, you know, doing big, you know, um, backhand springs in them and busting their head open and all this stuff, you know, pretty much utilizing what was, you know, what they had access to. And it was abandoned buildings and empty lots. And it's interesting because um, 
previously we had Curtis Blow on as a guest. And one of the things that he said was that, uh, um, you know, when people think about graffiti and they think about it as a crime, he said, you have to understand during that time, during that time there were a lot of landlord schemes going on in that in that part of the Bronx, and they were burning down these buildings, and the people didn't have any place to move. And he said the graffiti and the artwork almost came out as an as as a result of the oppression to say, look, we're here, you're not going to ignore us, you're going to acknowledge us, and 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 it was a way to try to beautify something that was already being uh, torn down and burnt down. They were putting mm-hmm. up beautiful murals and say, no, we exist and we're here. Did you? Were you a part of that experience? Did you? Did you? Yes, see I was. That you back coming of age. Oh, definitely, man. Um, back then, you know, I was a. Pretty much, I started off as a graffiti artist. Back okay. then, you know, that was the expression that most people was utilizing. There was either graffiti, you was breakdancing, you or you was DJing. And the MC part of rapping was not really out because the DJ was the one that was MCing. You know, he was the master of ceremony. You know, so mm. at that time, you know, there was not a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, there was a couple of MCs, but the DJ was the person who was really rocking the parties, really rocking the mic. And getting people to come on to get on the mic for him. Okay. You know, I guess, um, that's, I just, guess that's why in early hip hop, you know, you would always hear uh, the rapper or the MC refer to his DJ. Exactly. Exactly. Pretty much Eric B. Rock, you know, Rock Cam, you know, that that was a, a notorious part. Um, Run DMC, you know, there was, you know, that was infamous there, you know, because pretty much, and even go further back, you know, when you're talking about Cold Crush 4. You know, you, you know, you know, you spoke um Jazzy Five MCs, Bambata. You know, these are people. You know that you know they was about the DJ, and the DJ was the center of the fold, and he was the pretty much the center of the group. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I know yeah. that. Um, yeah, I, I know that. Um, that that was a, a a big part, and it seems like you know, and I'm, I got to re- refer to something that Curtis Blow said that it was like you know hip hop. Uh, had all you know these elements. You know, you had your graffiti artists, you had your break dancers, you had uh, mm-hmm. your your uh, your rapper, and you had your uh, DJ. And he mm-hmm. said, and it seems like one of the it's like a family. He said, and he said, and one of the family members made it big, which was the rapper. You know? Exactly. And and he said, you know, as it's evolved, those other elements of hip hop have kind of been pushed to the back. But if you're really talking about hip hop. You can't talk about hip hop without those other elements. Exactly. Exactly. And back in the days, if you really listen to um, how you know the lyrics of back in the days, you know people was really expressing what was going on around them. You know, mm-hmm. it was like the CNN of the hood. You know, because yeah. a lot of times, you know, the media and the movies were depicting things that were not necessarily true. And you know, so a lot of MCs back then took took it upon themselves to really begin to have people visualize exactly what was happening, you know, because a lot of people were reporting about things, but they were not reporting what was really going on and how people felt about what was going on in their neighborhoods. Hmm. Well, we're going to stop right there because we're going to get into all of that and do a little comparison and contrast between back then and now. And, you know, is it glorification of violence or is it still depicting of, of a CNN-type movement, as we're just saying, but we're going to do that when we come back from this quick commercial break. All right. 
Rafika Consultants and Services LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback. Sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair,
So now here you have these, all these young people who have a creative energy, but they had no means in which to express it. So in an indirect mm-hmm. way, it is the lack of funding of art and music programs in New York City that gave that, that helped to give rise, one of the conditions that helped to give rise to this subculture, which is now a global phenomenon. That's right. That's right. I mean, I mean, I remember growing up and going to um, attending junior high school. I attended junior high school 145, and the name of the school was Arturo Toscanini, which was a famous orchestra, I mean, orchestrator. And pretty much, you know, I, w- I remember being in the band. You know, I was playing the saxophone. I played the alto tenor and baritone sax. You know, mm. so I grew up in, a, in starting in junior high school where I was involved in music. I was, I was going to shop, you know, metal shop, wood shop. I even learned how to sew. I went to sewing mm. shop, you know, in junior high school. So I remember all these programs where a lot of skill development was part of the academic, and I don't necessarily see that today in the schools. And that's a problem. Um, you, you know, I, I'm a big, uh, firm uh, believer that, yes, students have to be effective writers. Students have to, you know, understand mathematics, you know, and they know, how, mm-hmm. you know, the, the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. However, there are, it's an opportunity, like you said, you know, when they took woodshop out, when they took auto mechanics out, when they took mm-hmm. uh, certain art and music programs out, they, in, in doing so, um, they, these were skills that could lead to I, 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 real employment, real opportunity. Exactly. And, and exactly. by doing that, they they they, they limited uh, 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 the students' ability to prosper. I mean, I remember coming up, we used to have a, a thing called co-op program where students could actually leave uh, two days a week and actually work and, and get real-life training, and then the other three days we come and get their education. So the removal of these kind of programs, I think, has had a, 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 a very adverse uh, um, impact on, 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 on communities, on our communities, specifically Definitely. communities of color. You know? but, but what I want to ask you about is, um, I want to shift focus for a minute. Um, uh, well, you said you grew up in the Bronx, and we were talking about the 80s. How much different mm-hmm. is do you think it is now in New York City, or do you think uh, today's youth are much different than when we were, when we were growing up? Um, you know, that's very interesting because sometimes sometimes I feel it's the same, you know, or, or similar, and then sometimes I feel it's very much different. But I think I think sometimes when we think about the youth, we also have to think about the parents and who was involved in these youth, you know, in these youth lives because, you know, they had a huge impact in who these youth became, you know. And, you know, so sometimes, you know, as a social worker, you know, I'd be asking questions about the upbringing because that's going to give me a better picture of what the youth had experienced as a young child and how he developed to be a youth and what's going on at the current time. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it's not necessarily going on and, and what's going on at the youth, but back then the youth, we was I feel strongly that back then the youth in regards to creativity, there was a, a burning desire for creativity. You know, I remember, you know, everybody just wanted to do something. And, and and whenever we hung out, you know, we were just creating dance moves, creating different fonts of writing and and working on your penmanship and and you know, you know, 
making, you know, learning your moves, you know, your stance and b-boying, you know. These were things that were creative and people were just so involved in that creativity, you know, that, you know, we developed games behind it and, and people were involved playing Scalzi's and, and Ring Olivia. I mean, there were so many things that people were doing back then that today you don't necessarily do because, you know, when you see the kids hanging out, you don't see them playing these games anymore. You don't see them playing with each other, you know, and if they are playing with each other, you know, they may be even fighting pretty much, you know. So, and even back then, the 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 essence of fighting was important. You know, that was the rites of passage to a lot of men, you know. People fought. They put up their fights. We fought. And right after that, we were friends, you know. Mm. So, they you know, and, and, and that's something that I know is not happening today, you know, because young we all see, you know, what kind of violence is going on in the neighborhoods today because there's, you know, too many young people are dying. Yeah. Now, you've been working as a social worker uh, for 19 years. Can you t- t- tell me about that work. What, what, what is it like? Wow. Well, let me just tell you a bit about how I began to get involved in this in this field. Um, you know, back then, you know, I went through my own life experience and, at one point, you know, my life was preserved for for some time, and but however, you know, I don't want to really talk too much about that unless there's a lot of questions about it. But once I removed myself from that area, um, I got involved in um, needle exchange, where I was going into abandoned buildings and giving you know people who were using you know needles clean syringes and condoms. Because at that point, that's when the HIV epidemic began in yeah. in our neighborhoods, and there was a lot of activity going on. And you know, one of the um, one of the approaches that was being utilized is to you know to stop the spread of the um, of the virus was giving people clean syringes so that that they don't continue to share them. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much one of the things that I began to do. Um, you know, and getting involved in 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 the community and began my social work endeavors. Wow! So you so that when you started this uh this program, this was a program that you were a part of, or how, and and this was one well, of the ways was, in which yes, there was a needle exchange program, one in the Bronx, and there was one in Lower Manhattan on Avenue C, and mm-hmm. pretty much you know we you know we just went into. Um, what we considered hot spots, you know, where people were hanging out, you know, where there was, you know, shooting galleries and everything and, you know, and where people were selling their bodies. And we just handed out information, um, clean syringes and condoms and information about programs and services that they can get involved with. Because at that point, you know, the, the you know, we wanted people to come in and get screened um, for HIV. And AIDS, you know, so that was the whole approach that people were utilizing at that point because there was a lot of activity going on, and heroin was very, it was a heavy epidemic at that at that point, you know, so that was one of the approaches that was being utilized in the needle exchange programs in New York City. Wow. Uh, that, yeah, I, yeah, I remember that era. That, that yes. That was, uh, uh, and, and we, I believe we're still suffering from, from, from that, whole, that whole era, even Definitely. to this day. Um, yes. What are the what you know in your work as a social worker? What would you say? And, and I'm, I kind of mentioned this in the beginning of the show. Um, but what are the like the would you say are the, some of the social conditions that prevent our children from achieving? Oh wow! 
Well, one of the things, you know, um, the lack of, you know, resources really, be, you know, that's the first thing, you know, because a lot of, a lot of young people grow up very poor, you know, where, you know, there's not enough food at times. Um, you know, the parents, you know, themselves are actually involved with drugs, either they're, you know, using alcohol or other drugs, and they're hooked. You know, some, you know, a lot of these individuals grew up in, the, you know, in domestic violence. Um, you know, so a lot of times that doesn't give the motivation or the, or the focus that people need, you know, to focus on education, you know, because, you know, they're trying to protect mommy or they're trying to protect grandma from, you know, being hurt or being, you know, being screamed at or whatever the case is, or they're trying to protect their little siblings. You know, mm-hmm. so a lot of a lot of young people grew up under these circumstances, and, and then not only that, you know, and yet when they went out, you know, to school or to hang out, you know, they had to deal with the outside world, you know, so there was a lot of dynamics going on, you know, so they had to deal with a lot of things at home that was going on, and then when they went out, to school or experience the streets, they were also dealing with the peer pressure, you know, in the streets and in school because a lot of times, you know, it begins in the school where, you you know, you're being challenged or you're being bullied or you're being spoken about in a negative way. 213-943-3618. Press number one on your keypad if you have any questions or comments in terms of what we're uh, discussing. Um, you know, I, 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 one of the reasons I know that was a loaded question I asked, but the reason I asked it is because I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm trying to appeal to a, a certain um, segment of my audience who might be tuning in, and that's teachers. And, and you know, teachers today have a very difficult job because, you know, they, they're dealing not only with, um, you know, uh, classes, sizes, mm-hmm. being overcrowded, but then they're also dealing with these students who come from different backgrounds and bring different issues within, within the classroom. And... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some teachers are very good, I think, at seeing past the, the the condition and really seeing the jewel that's really in our young people. You know, others struggle, and then you have, and, and with a little support, they get better at dealing with it. And then you have those who I, I'm, I'm just going to say it, who are, you have some teachers who I call dream killers. They just, you know, they, they, they have already, they already have an expectation or a perception in their mind about that young person that's sitting in that in that class mm-hmm. and then writing them off as, as the permanent underclass yep. and really doing damage. Um, so I guess, you know, it's very important to get a social worker's perspective because you deal with the, the, the other realities. Like you said, you deal with what's happening at home. Maybe the person does, the young person doesn't have a place to sit down and actually read or a quiet space to study or they, they're taking care of the child because the parent is not present. So, mm-hmm. you know, how can teachers be more effective with students from diverse backgrounds who bring to the table different issues in the classroom? Well, the first thing, just like, you know, you mentioned, you know, the, the perception of, you know, when a lot of teachers, per, you know, observe a lot of these young kids act out in classes or in the school or in the, or in the schoolyard, you know. You know, the acting out is not you know, something that's coming from somewhere, you know, where they just want to act out and act stupid or act violently. You know, it's coming from somewhere where they're trying for attention at times or they're actually telling you, please, I need some help. I need somebody to actually speak to me because they don't have the skills to actually ask somebody to talk to or 
to listen to them. You know, they don't have those skills. So how they do it, they, they'll act out, um, you know, because they're trying to represent for whatever it is that they're representing, in, you know, in their mind or, you know, they're they angry or they frustrated, you know, because a lot of these kids grow up and a lot of them get attached to what they feel, you know, that they belong to. Sometimes they belong to cliques, gangs, whatever it is that they're involved with, and that's something that they bring to the schools as well. And it could be as young as, you know, someone who's 9, 10 years old, you mm-hmm. know, even younger at times, you know. So a lot of teachers need to just be really attentive and pay attention to, you know, not to just, you know, look at the behavior itself, but to also how to separate the person from the behavior. Because a lot of times the behavior is about something that's going home or something that this person is really frustrated about and needs some attention and needs someone to talk to. As a social worker, do you you, uh, go into a lot of different schools and talk to the teachers and kind of, Say here, I'm, I'm here representing this particular person, and I'm another layer of support. And how does that relationship work if you do? Well, there was at times when I remember going to, you know, um, not quite sure what it was, career days. I used to go to high schools and junior high schools to speak to kids about, you know, how I became a social worker and what I needed to do. Um, and I also spoke about the struggles, you know, and how I struggled going to school and everything when I was a young kid, you know. And, you know, even then when I was there, you know, there was a lot of teachers asking me questions about, you know, how did I accomplish all of this, you know, because I was very transparent in regards to what I experienced in my younghood and because a lot of things that I experienced were not too good. And, you know, so that itself, I know a lot of people when I do speak about those experiences, people have perceptions, and these are the same perceptions that the teachers have with these young kids. You know, and a lot of times, it, you know, sometimes the conversations are great, but sometimes it's not because people walk away with, you know, still having that perception and not challenging themselves to really begin to look at, the, you know, the behavior and separate the person from the behavior and really begin to say what is really happening and begin to question instead of reacting or just saying, you know, this person has, you know, has to get evaluated and needs to be on medication, with, you know, and put this person through the ringer in regards yeah. to now being diagnosed or something. Something is sometimes is just giving that kid some attention, um, beginning to create an atmosphere for that, you know, for these kids to really thrive and learn because sometimes they scream for creativity instead of getting into the books. You know, sometimes you have to have different activities, and and you know and you know in the process of it of education, even the gym today is not really what it is what it used to be back then, you know. Mm-hmm. So people, the kids are not having the exercise. They're not running around. They're not having fun, because education is supposed to be fun. And I think at times, you know, the, you know, they um the system, the educational system has taken the fun of the school, and, and you know, because even the gym is being compromised. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that, and that goes into the whole teaching to the test, you know, um, everything being so scripted in the way that the curriculum is laid out that it doesn't leave, you know, to be to be fair to teachers, doesn't give them an opportunity to have uh, maybe the creativity that they would like if, if mm-hmm. everything is so scripted and structured. 
Um, That's true. And and then the thing and and then and then and this is all supposed to be happening in the name of uh, student achievement. But um, when you look at the, the the data, the students still are not functioning. So mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, someone somewhere has to begin to begin to rethink. You know what 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 the approaches are and what they're doing. Um, in terms of social workers and guidance counselors, I asked this uh, a young lady who is a mental health professional and also a poet. I asked her, you know, um, do you think that 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 counselors and social workers are doing a good job in terms of the public relations piece, helping people who are in decision making understand how vital their role is to be in these schools, work with the staff, work with the parents and the teachers. Because uh, a lot of times when programs get cut, the first places that they cut are um, the mental health areas. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know that when Yonkers went through their budget uh, crisis in the schools, they cut the counselors, the social workers, and that's the first place that they cut. And I'm sitting here saying to myself, is it that they don't care or is it that we're not doing a good enough job in helping them to understand the vital role that mental health plays in the overall academic success of a child? Well, there's a combination of things going on, I feel, you know, because I strongly feel they understand that the mental health piece is very important. It's just that, you know, I don't want to begin to, you know, bring in, you know, the racist piece and everything, but, you know, these systems sometimes, you know, the first money that they begin to cut are the services, just like you mentioned, you know, mental health and the services that, underserved people need, you know, and when you begin to pull away the services and the, and the, and the activities that um, these people need, you know, you're actually beginning to, you know, create time bombs, you know, because now if these people don't have access to, to services or, or to activities that they may need, they're going to, you know, they're going to begin to act out or begin to get involved in activities that are not going to, um, assist or enhance, you know, what they need to be doing in regards to education. You know, so they're not going to be focused. They're going to be focused on other activities, and most likely, you know, they're going to get involved in other stuff where they're not going to progress. A lot of times that's why teen pregnancy is high. You know, that's why people begin to get in other activities, begin to explore with sex, drugs, you know, and other things, And you know, because they don't have access to these activities anymore. Um, and they don't have access to someone to speak to to begin to, you know, lay out a plan and and begin to challenge the young person and, and begin to actually, yeah. you know, and begin to actually, you know, develop a relationship where now you're playing the role of a mentor and begin to really challenge these, you know, these young people and, and begin to teach them how to make better decisions for themselves, how to begin to look at options and probe around all these things and, and begin to really play around with all of this and begin to realize that this, you know, that this world is really a lot bigger than what they think and that they're capable in moving forward and, and, and creating, a, um, you know, self-sufficiency for themselves. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, it's, uh, it, it, you're absolutely right. And then I just, I just, I guess I just, I, I, just get, I get overwhelmed sometimes when I think about, the great disservice that we're doing to young mm-hmm. people by not having people in there who can, like you said, be a mentor to them, who can help them figure out a plan. You know, like you said, sometimes they just need someone to talk to 
and, mm-hmm. and, to, and to give them some guidance and, 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 and to not have people there who are, mm-hmm. who, are, who are professionals who know how to come up with a, 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 a plan with a young person, understand the social realities of what they're dealing with and help them overcome that, I think that that, that really is doing a disservice. I mean, some of the money that we're spending on all of these tests and data collection mm-hmm. needs to be redirected to putting That's in right. systems of support, the systems of academic help, and 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 and, and putting guidance counselors, social workers, and psychologists in there to deal with the family problems because a lot of times it's rooted in family issues. Exactly. Definitely. Most of it comes from family issues, you know. I mean, let me just say, you know, you know, let me just begin to speak some of the things that I have, you know, experienced with a lot of young people that I work with, you know. A lot of times, you know, a lot of young people come beat down, you know, then you could, you know, you could feel the weight on them, you know, and mm. and and the frustration and anger, and you know, they, you know, and when you begin to ask questions, you know, and and begin to, you know, peel on the onion, as they say, you know, when you, you know, begin to, you know, begin to peel on down on these layers and everything, and begin to work on the core, you know, you begin to realize what's really happening here. You know, a lot of times, I noticed that, you know, I asked them, you know, when was the last time somebody, you know, said they love you. And you'd be surprised what a lot of these young people say, sometimes never, or as young as four, five, six years old the last time, you know, and, and you know, when you know, what's the last time somebody hugged you? You know, they don't get all of this stuff. So, you know, a lot of these kids grow up with this, like, this cocoon around them because, you know, or, or a shell all around them because, you know, they haven't been able, they haven't been supplied with the love and the care that yes. they need, you know, in order to develop you know, as a great human being or, or a great young person or a or aspiring, somebody who's eager to learn and, and thrive and do something that's great for themselves or for their family, whatever it is, you know, because you see great stories coming out of the our hoods, as they say. You hear them, you know, but there's not enough happening, you know, because mm-hmm. we begin to look at, you know, these sports figures who come out of the hood. and But, you know, that's, we cannot put all our eggs in these baskets at times because a lot of kids focus on becoming rappers and basketball players, and that's great, but we have to look at the odds that's against a lot of these kids because of the education, but the, um, the educational background or the motivation or the focus that they need. You know, brother, you said something that was so profound just now, and that was, you know, when when is the last time, you know, a young person – was 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 uh, told that uh, that by someone that they that they were loved, and mm-hmm. and I tell you, man, well, let me tell you about the hood. <laughs> I don't have to tell you, but let me just give you my, my my take. There's a there is a lot of young people who have developed a defense mechanism mm-hmm. against. Um, being treated in a brutal manner, you know, if you, if, if you come at a young person hard today, they got a they got a defense for that. You know, you curse That's them right. out, ain't a problem. They numb to that. They curse you out more. You yell at them, they shut you down. You know, you you can't crack that. You can't crack them with hostility. But the one defense, and I've seen young people break down. I've seen it with my own eyes that they do not have. They do not have a defense. For someone really embracing them and saying, "I love you," 
That's right. I mean, it penetrates immediately, and I really believe that part of the acting out. I mean, let's look at games. Why? Why do? What? What? What are one of the reasons why you have to say, "Hey, I joined a game because my game, my, my game shows me love." That's right. You know. That's right. So, the, and the game becomes la familia. So now it becomes my family. That's you know, right. In terms and 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 what's happening is because family has been totally uh, destroyed or been disintegrated then they look for family elsewhere, and a lot of times the family that they're looking for, the love that they're looking for, leads to self-destruction. It could, like you said, it could be through, you know, they could be involved in some kind of legal activity, drugs, gangs, mm-hmm. warfare, teenage pregnancy, what have you, but they, what they're really looking for is love. So to me, the element that is missing in school is love. That's and, right. And I don't mean That's right. soft love. I mean... Love that holds you accountable and says you're going to be somebody and we're going to make sure that you succeed. You know, we, I, you know, when we were going to school, you know, like education was like a mission. You know, mm-hmm. you, you went to school not just to be educated, but you went to school because you, your whole community was counting on you. You know, That's I've right. heard that speech several times. Hey, you know, don't don't let down. You, you, you have a good name. Don't let down your family name. And don't let right. your community. You're going to school because you're going to be the one that's going to make it and come back and improve our community. And that message needs to be reintegrated back into the curriculum. Exactly. But that's we're going to take another quick commercial break. Sure. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. So we'll be right back after this commercial break. All right. Hello, is my engineer there? What's going on, man? Is it JR? No, this is I'm, I'm, this is Francisco. Okay, I, I don't know what happened. Uh, so we, I guess we're not going to take a commercial break. We'll keep on going. <laughs> and we'll okay. take a commercial break <laughs> later on. But, you know, um, I just want to say that, you know, to my listening audience, please let us know what are the educational issues that are important to you. Let us know. Let us know. You can contact me again at shungleblake.com. Treat, uh, tweet me. At uh, on Twitter at Shungo Blake, or go to Facebook, Facebook slash com. And again, if you have any questions or comments about what we're talking about today, you can call us at two one three nine four three three six one eight. Press number one on your keypad. So, brother, listen. Are schools yes. in our, in your opinion, are the schools in our communities properly educating our students? Um. I would have to say, as a whole, no. You know, I mean, you see pockets of it. You know, you see a lot of schools who are thriving. You know, to be to be creative, and, and you know, and developing you know different you know um, curriculums and everything, which I you know, which is great. But it's not happening as uh, in the in the in the volume that it needs to occur. You know, because. We we see the young people still struggling. I see it. You know, when I when I speak to these young people, you know, sometimes they're going to great schools, but I hear some of the horror that that goes on in these classrooms at times, where you know, you know, um, you know, um, teachers get frustrated, you know, and 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 they don't really just, you know, they don't really take control and really begin, or they don't begin to really put out the love and the care. Because sometimes, you know, you have to utilize that as a weapon, you know, to really begin to take control of the classroom, 
You know, but mm-hmm. instead people begin to get frustrated, and when, when a teacher gets frustrated or angered, now you the teacher begins to lose focus just as the students are losing focus. Mm-hmm. You know, and cause I, I've seen it myself sometimes when I was going to school myself. You know, we used to, you know, we used to sometimes do things on purpose. You know, growing up, you know, sometimes we, you know, yeah. back then, you know, you know, we did some of that stuff too. You know, so we used to frustrate teachers, and you know, we used to make them, you know, get flushed and everything. But you know, when you see the teachers who are really caring, when you begin to see somebody who's being, who's consistent, and who's not going to back down, you begin to respect this person, and now you begin to really care about. Wow, this teacher really may care now. He's being consistent. He's not playing or she's not playing. And now you begin to realize, man, well, maybe I need to pay attention, man, you know. And that's why it's important for teachers to be consistent and, and, and stay on top. Don't, you know, don't lose, you know, don't lose the focus. Be consistent because that is something that they, for the most part, they don't have. Their parents are not being consistent, you know. So for the most part, there's not someone, you know, on, you know, caring for them and being there consistently for them and, and really focusing and saying, I'm here for you. You know, I'm here to guide you. Don't worry about it. I got your back. Go ahead. Go do your thing. You know, and that's something that a lot of these young people are missing. They don't have the support network. They don't have the support. You know, they don't have someone pushing them and saying, hey, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm playing the cheerleader for you. Mm. You know, the key word you said is consistency. I mean, and, and I think that, you know, it's one thing to say, but words plus actions equal results. And when they see that you're consistently there for them, I think you begin to see a change in their heart and then a change in, in, in what they're bringing to the table. Now, yeah. I know that um, you work up in Yonkers with a group of young ladies and, and you do a lot of social work with, uh, uh, I would say, pre-teen to teenage girls. Mm-hmm. What are some of the issues that the young that you deal with in terms of helping young ladies? You know, I know that's a whole nother. Oh, oh man. Yes. Uh huh. Man. Some. You know. Well, one of the things that you know I begin to work, you know, in regards to working with young ladies is sometimes it's really about prevention, decision making, you know, and really you know self esteem, self worth, you know, woman's worth. You know, all these things that a lot of times um, a lot of young ladies, are, you know, are losing, are not really paying attention to it, you know, and those are the things that at times I begin to plug into them, you know, begin to have them think about, you know, how to make better decisions, you know, when they're dealing with these adversities at times and dealing with young men or their parents or challenges or the puberty or these, you know, um, you know the you know the sex drive growing, whatever it is that they're dealing with. You know how to begin to communicate with someone because for the most part, a lot of young girls lose out on that. Even when they're getting you know the you know the menstrual for the first time, a lot of parents don't sit down with them and begin to educate you know them in regards to what how they need to take care of themselves at this point. Um, a lot of parents get scared or they panic or they don't want to deal with it because, you know, they get scared now that they're going to probably educate them too much to the point and now they're going to start having sex, you know. Wow. So, you know, and, 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 and sometimes I sit down with parents who come in with their young, you know, child, you know, with their teenage, um, you know, son or daughter because they don't know how to, be, you know, communicate with their, you know, with their son or daughter. And sometimes the parents also have to come in to sit down and begin to develop skills themselves 
and how to mm-hmm. sit down with their with their young daughter or young son who who at this point, you know, they're 16 and they don't want to sit down with their parents because their parents have been pretty much alienating them or judging them for what they've been thinking or stating, you know, so, you know, because a lot of kids become very verbal and and a lot of parents don't understand it. They think that they've been disrespectful, but, uh, you know, it's not that. It's just that they're fighting for their independency, you know, and, and, and it's about teaching them and, and, and allowing them to really begin to work on that. Because they need it, you know, and, and if parents don't realize that they need it, you only what you're doing is, you know, it's like undeveloping or not letting them develop those skills. And now when they become 18 and you're trying to bump them out your home, they're not prepared to deal with the real world. You know, they don't even yeah. have the skills to make the proper decisions and, and how they're going to be able to pay bills or handle whatever it is they need to handle. Wow. You know, so the education sometimes... You know, a lot of times we, you know, we definitely have to focus in, in in regards to what the educational system is doing. But sometimes, you know, remember, you know, sometimes we, sometimes not that we tend to forget, but we tend to not really focus that sometimes the parents, the home is the first educational, you know, forum for these kids. And, and if that process doesn't really occur the best way possible, mm. you know, by the time these young people be get into the double digits, you know, you know, it's like damaged goods, you know, and a lot of times we have to really begin to also work with the parents and begin to assist them in, in developing the skills that they need to develop um, and, you know, sitting down with the, you know, young um, child and begin to communicate and converse about the issues that they're going through. You know, a lot of parents don't know what's going on. That's why when you hear about these bullying cases, you know, the parents are shocked. Oh, my God, I, didn't, I, I never knew my daughter or my son was being bullied all these years. Well, that's why because a lot of parents are not paying attention because you know, they get caught up on their jobs. You know, they come home after having a hard day, and, you know, they don't want to really be bothered with what's going on. They don't, they're not even helping them with their homework. You know, so, you know, how are you going to expect your child to really respect um, what you want them to do when you're not giving them the attention that they need, and sometimes that's how that's why they begin to act out. You know, so the, you know, so, makes, the, you know, you know, so the education forms sometimes. I sometimes as a social worker, I that's why I ask a lot of questions about what what has happened in the past. You know, what happened while you was growing up. You know, the, you know that you, you know, where you converse. You know, did someone sit down with you to converse? about, you know, growing up, you know, now that you're 13, you know, has someone educated you about your hygiene and how to take care of yourself? And a lot of times you'd be surprised, you know, it doesn't happen for the most part. It doesn't happen at all. Wow. You know, and, 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 you know, I mean, I've dealt with young girls talking about prostitution as, as early as 12 years old. Wow. Wow. You know, so, so, you know, you have to, Parents have to be involved because why is a 12-year-old getting involved in sex at that age? And on that, and on that level. Exactly. You know, so obviously someone is taking advantage of them. You know, and these are things that I'm just going to, you know, I'm giving people details about what these young girls are reporting back. You know, this is these are things that is not going to allow them to be focused while they're in school, and that's why... You know, you know, parents and teachers need to be more attentive and and really pay more attention to what's you know to the possibilities of what's going on here. 
Wow, you, you, you're really giving us some, some great information, and I really thank you for it. And, it, and, it's, and I, I really believe by talking about these issues and bringing them out to the forefront, you know, then you can begin to start to craft solutions. Um, exactly. And not, only, and not only solution, but the, also the sense of belonging, because once you begin to communicate with young people, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised, you know, how they feel about somebody paying attention to them, asking them, you know, how you doing? Just a simple question. Oh, how, how was your day? You know, how you doing? How's school going? You know, just those simple questions. You'd be surprised, you know. Young kids' face, you know, light up because You're, sometimes for the first time someone is paying attention. It's so funny that you say that because I remember when I was an assistant principal in Yonkers, at Lincoln High School, and mm-hmm. um, when I first got the attention between the young people and adults, you could you could cut the air, you know, the young people and adults, no connection at all. And, and and I did something that was very simple. It was almost like a science experiment. I would position myself every morning, and when the students came in, I would say good morning to everybody, look them in their face, and greet every student that passed me. And some would look like look at me like I had six heads. <laughs> Others would <laughs> chuckle, you know, they, you know, some would respond. Mm-hmm. And I kept on doing it, kept on doing it. And after a month, every student that walked through that door, good morning, Mr. Blake, good morning, Mr. Blake, they looked for their good morning before they walked in the door. And That's right. The other thing that happened was that I had an opportunity by, by doing that, it gave me an, an an opportunity to gauge and see what their spirit was like. So I could mm-hmm. say good morning to a student, and a student kind of like, you know, wasn't their normal self. I said, hey, what's going on? You all right this morning? Oh, Mr. Blake, you know, we just, you know, uh, uh, my house exactly. down last night. You know, we had a fire or, you know, my mother and father split or this took place or that took place. So it let me know as an administrator what was going on, and then I knew how to get them support during the day. And also mm-hmm. it, it also prevented other incidents because that sort of comes in and they're on edge. All the takes exactly. are going to rub them the wrong way. And then, you know, we got World War Three going on in the building. So, That's right. You know, when you, you know, when you said, like, these, these little ways of engaging uh, uh have a great impact. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, I mean, and that's you know, and I'm, and I'm also giving people a piece of the reason why I was able to really become the person that I became. You know, because uh, you know, I want to throw out something. You know, back then, you know, there was a lot of things that I experienced, and you know, I even made it to prison. You know, and you know. Growing up was tough, you know, and I got involved and and made poor choices and decisions, and I ended up really dealing with things that I never wanted to deal with. And and, so and wait, it wasn't let me that ask I was a question. Let me ask you a question. Hmm? How did how did that experience, you know, your own upbringing, help mm-hmm. you better to understand the issues that that the clients that you deal deal with uh, today? How has that made you a more you know a, a, a more effective social worker? Well, one thing, you know, you know, just I just have a passion, you know, to really help, you know, young people and families, whoever it is, you know, it really doesn't matter. It's just I have a strong passion, you know. That's the first thing that I walk into what I do, you know. You just, you know, I have I do my best to have fun with it. I do my best to really focus on people's needs and really begin to exercise and challenge people. Um, you know, work out, you know, a plan where they could begin to work on self-sufficiency and 
self-dignity, you know, all these things that a lot of times, you know, a lot of young people don't have the, the opportunity. So I come in with some a lot of life experience as well. You know, I know how it feels, you know, to be down and out as a young, you know, young man. I know what it feels to make poor decisions based on, you know, trying to represent for something, you know, that's not true, you know. I know what it is to, you know, uh, brag and boast and, and, and fight over nonsense, you know, stepping over somebody's shoes or bumping. and You know, I know what it is to go through all these things. And, 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 and as you get older and get wiser and you really begin to learn, you know, because a lot of times, you know, but, you know, a lot of people are quick to say, a lot of young people especially are quick to say, oh, yeah, you know, I've been through a lot. You know, that's great. But, you know, the only way you could say I have life experience is when you actually learn from what you went through. You know, so the question is, uh, you know, are, are people learning from their mistakes? And a lot of times, people, most, for, for the most part, people are not. And, you know, having common sense is not so common in our society anymore as well. You know, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's really breaking down um, in regards to the reasons why people are not focused and don't have the proper skills to make good decisions. You know, it's because, you know, it's, it's a lot of stuff going on. People are being blinded by all this glamour, sneakers, and all this stuff going on, you know, shows on TV. There's so much what I call gook, you know, and cloudness going on that block people from achieving their personal goals, and people fall in this trap. You yeah, know, so it's like, it's like you said, the TV, uh, you're watching TV that's scripted and they call it reality. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, so growing <laughs> up. amazing to me. <laughs> you no, know, seriously, so growing up and, and going through these experiences and, and begin to really look at them for, you know, in a different light and begin to learn and begin to process, you know, why am I going, to, you know, why am I, why do I keep using the same approach thinking that I'm going to end up with a different outcome? You know, I have to challenge myself. I have to say, hold up. There's something going on here. Why am I using the same approach? You know, I need to change my approach, you know, to get to the outcome that I want because obviously if I keep using the same one, I'm going to keep getting the same result. And a lot of times it's about, you know, pulling yourself out of the picture and becoming a spectator of your life. Wow. You know, and those are skills and those are things that I teach young people and how to begin to utilize skills and, and, and things to begin to look at situations and what's really happening here. Sometimes you have to step out and be a spectator of the situation or your life. Okay, let me look at this from the outside world. Let me look at this subjective, you know what I mean? you know, objectively, instead of, you know, putting my feelings and emotions in. Let's look at this for what it is. I'm making poor decisions at the end of the day. I'm not looking at all my options. You know, there's something going on here because I keep ending up in the same place, dealing with the same emotions, and now my anger just keeps building and building and building. It's like the Incredible Hulk, you know. You know, the, ang the more anger, the stronger, you know, and, and you see it in some of these young men and, and young, even young ladies. You know, you have young ladies fighting. I mean, you see it all over the Internet, you know, women just, young girls fighting. Now you have even parents putting their children to fight. You, you know, you, I heard a couple of stories about that. You know, this is, it's just getting out of hand. So you have even parents who are, you know, doing the same thing that the young people are doing. So now they, you know, so now they, their kids are looking at this and, of course, they're not going to respect their parents. So there's so many dynamics, so many things going on 
that is really, really just doing a huge disservice to these young folks, and that's why we need to pay closer attention. And, you know, so that's why when I begin to work with young people, I really, really, I be, you know, I don't judge them. I really look at the situation very objectively, and I begin to really challenge them. You know, because sometimes they haven't been challenged. You know, their creativity haven't been brought out, you know, you know, and because they have it. It's all, you know, they have what it takes to make it happen. It's just that someone has to be caring and loving enough to spend the time that it takes to pull it out, to assist them in pulling it out of them. And you're right about that. Um, you're so right because a lot of times they, they they put up the sense mechanism first. So you might get, uh, you might have to take a lot mm-hmm. before you can break through. Um, and like you said, that that word consistency allows you to tap into them and, and moving forward. But, again, that's not who they are. That's just the, how they have been shaped and formed based upon, like you said, the the, the social realities that exist mm-hmm. in their lives. So, you it's know, especially when we're, 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 yeah, when we're, we're adults and, you know, we come in and say, we, we want to help you. And it's like, yeah, well, so did my mom said that too, and she abandoned me. You know, my father, he's no longer around. <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, how many more adults are going to walk out of my life? Why should I trust you? You know, That's so right. we have to get past all of that first. That's before right. We can even begin to have the conversation, and that means you got to love them more than they love themselves at that point. That's right. Actually, you know? sometimes that's a tactic that I use. Sometimes mm-hmm. I tell them, I said, listen, let me love you until you can love yourself. Let me, you know, let me in. Let me help you. Allow me. You know, mm-hmm. I, these are things sometimes, sometimes, you know, depending on the case that I may have, I may, you know, I may go to those extent and be like, no, allow me. I'm here. I, you know, I speak in that tone and really begin to break down that wall, whatever it is, you know, begin to break down on it. Sometimes it takes, you know, three, four, five sessions. But if it takes that, let's work on that, you know, because I'm not going anywhere. This is my job, you know, and, and, and these are the necessary steps that I have to utilize in order to begin to assist some of these young people because I want a system to become, you know, because at the end of the day, pretty much, they're my neighbors. <laughs> so, <laughs> so at the end of the day, if I don't help my neighbors, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to rob me. They're going to take what I, you know, so I have to assist them and help them. These are my neighbors. Mm. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. you know, these are the things that I begin to do because that, you know, somebody gave that love and that attention to me. And sometimes, you know, I'm just recycling what was given to me because I'm a true believer that knowledge, if, if it's stagnated, is is not knowledge. You know, knowledge is only knowledge when you begin to recycle it. You know, you have to re- keep recycling the knowledge that you've been given and the attention. You know, so I'm using the same um, um, approaches that was utilized with me. I'm utilizing it with others because I'm here as a as a as a tool. You know, um, as a as as a as a example of what can happen if you if you really get the attention, you know, and 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 the and the love and caring that you need to begin to focus on what you need to do to become self sufficient. You know, I didn't become a social worker overnight. You know, it took a lot of work. 
You know, I have three different degrees from three different colleges, and I even went back to college for another certificate. You know, so these are things that I began to do to invest in myself because I did not understand that back then. I didn't know what what was investing into myself was. You know, I thought it was just hanging out and chilling with the homeboys. Ah, I'm investing my time with you. No, no, hold up. this. So I began to realize, what what am I doing here? What's my self-worth here? You know, and well, those are the things you. and those are the things that I begin to work with young people. You know, I challenge them. Let's sit down, let's let's talk about how many hours you have under your belt. You know, because some of these young men young men or young ladies, they don't even go to school at times, so they have so much time and I begin to have them realize how they're utilizing their time, how much time they have in their hands and how they're utilizing it. Because you'd be surprised the amount of hours they hang out, they don't do anything. They don't, no, you know, some of them. Example, you're a great example because you know, for you to come from your your your, your own personal struggles and, and 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 your upbringing to, like you said, three different degrees from three different colleges. You know, it's one thing I would say. Like, if a person has always been physically fit, right? They're okay. They can teach you how to be physically fit because they know they know something about exercise. But mm-hmm. I think it's more powerful, let's say a person who's out of shape and became physically fit. They understand mm-hmm. not only, they understand the process. They understand the emotion. They understand the setback. They understand mm-hmm. the tweaking and revising. And so when I, when I listen to your life, Brother Francisco, and what you've done, you know, you, did, you, came, up, you came up the hard side of the mountain, you know? Mm-hmm. And, in, and in so doing... You, you, the, the, the process has taught you invaluable lessons, and it put, it positions you perfectly for the kind of work that you're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, but I, I, I got to jump into this, and I want to shift gears for a moment. How okay. long have you? I want you to tell me um, how long have you been involved in hip hop, and I wanted to know a little bit about. Um, we had spoken before about the kind of music you're doing today with the. Reggaeton, hip hop, and bringing the mm-hmm. Latin infusion into your company. Uh, just, then, if you can just give us a broad-based piece of how you started and what you're doing now with your company. Oh wow, man! How I started. Oh, that's, that's well, a lot. <laughs> yeah, but let me just tell you, I'm you know, pretty much tell my age and everything. I started DJing like late seven, nineteen seventy-nine, nineteen eighty. I remember even my first song I threw on was Michael Jackson, um, Don't Stop You Getting Up, I believe, you know. <laughs> yes. Which is interesting. You know, and so I came up in the in the essence of hip hop when it first began. I was I was a, a spectator of it, you know, I used to go to the jams, you know, Skate Key, you know, Key Connection, Harlem World, you know, the Boys Club. You know, I seen Cold Crush Brothers perform. That was, you wow. know, those were my idols: Jazzy Five, Bambada, all these. Um, you know, um, um, Flash. You know, doing the beatbox with the machines, all those things. These are the things I grew up. These are things that a lot of times, you know, um, artists today don't have the reference to. You know, because a lot of people don't speak about it. You know, I'm so happy that I still see people like Cass and Bambata and who heard, you know, still involved in doing lectures and workshops and then speaking about these things because these are the things that's needed to really speak about the history and, and begin to educate people about, you know, what we do because this is the culture that has been developed for us to utilize 
you know, to 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 enhance ourselves, you know. A lot of times, you know, there's so much money involved being made in regards to what this culture has brought to the table, you know. So, we, you know, people have bought homes and, 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 you know, living great lives, billionaires and millionaires. And, you know, so we have to understand that this is something that was created, just like you said earlier, from nothing, you know, I remember back in the days we used to go and party. We didn't get paid for it. We just did it for the love of hip hop. You know, there was you know we didn't look at money. And if you paid us something, great. And if you didn't, great too, because we wanted to rock. We wanted to really put our you know our creativity out there. We wanted to express ourselves. It was it was that important because. We wanted to really put out, well, you know, it was a way of actually dealing with our anger, frustration. It gave us an outlet to really express ourselves instead of bottling in all this, all these emotions. You know, when you hear, you know, white lines, you know, come on, that that's, you know, is a reference. It will tell you what was going on at at those times. The, you know, the, the the lyrics are so visual, it, you know, that it, it, it just provokes you to be like, oh, wait, hold up. Well, this guy is actually giving us, you know, a vision of what was going on at those times. You know, and that's how, you know, when you realize, you know, some of the great MCs that's been in place, that's why they've been great MCs because they've been able to give people visions of what they was really speaking about, Biggie Smalls, Nas, you know, you know, all these people, you know, Jay-Z, they've been able to do it because they give you visions. It's like, it's like watching a film at times when you listen to these folks. And, you know, and that's what makes a good poet, a good writer, you know, they're actually so good because they're actually taking you in. And you and it's like you experiencing it, you know, <laughs> you know, and those are the things that sometimes is the same approach that I utilize in social work. You know, it's like I'm trying to really get in there and really begin to, you know, manipulate the situation and begin to provoke people to, you know, think about the situation and become creative and developing a plan that's going to get them to that vision that they have. You know, because I also speak a lot about that, that vision. I know you have a vision of how you want your life to look like. I know you want good things in your life. I know you want an apartment on life called a nice job. I know you do. Now let's talk about how you're going to make that happen and why you're not in the process of you know, making it happen right now. Let's talk about why you're not there right now. Let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, and those are the things that I begin to really you know, speak about because once you, and I speak in this tone that I'm speaking right now to you as well, because I speak with that passion and letting them know I'm not playing. I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, and so now, when it comes to the parts that you're working on today, uh, can you tell me about your company and 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 and, and what, what kind of music you you be breaking yes. out? I know well, you told Royal, me. Yeah, I'm Royal Shine Entertainment. You know, I'm the DJ, and I'm also one of the producers for Division X. You know, there's um, two MCs, one you know DJ. So my name is DJ Doctor Dust. We got North Star. And Mad Dog, you know, and pretty much, you know, a lot of people have called our music so many different things. But at the end of the day, what we tell people, you know, the old man, y'all do hip hop, we do, and we say, you know, we, we do music at the end of the day. Because I don't want people just to say, I do hip hop, I do rap, whatever, reggaeton, you know, as people say, I just say, you know what, I do music. Because at the end of the day, when I, when I make my music, I don't come into it saying that I'm going to make this type of beat, I'm going to do this. I, when I get into it, whatever comes out is what I put out. 
and whatever kind of lyrics, you know, they're going to lay out, they lay out, you know, so it's, we put it together, but it's not, it, it's never, we're coming in, you know, into it with a plan, you know, it's, that's why it's called creativity, you know, you go into it and you create, you know, and um, so it's about making good music, um, making music that, you know, classic, you know, stuff that is going to provoke you to think, um, you know, things that's, you know, that's going to make people say, wow, you know, I want to, you know, that's interesting what you said, or wow, that's smart, or wow, you know, that's a great, that's a great metaphor. You know, these are things that I always, you know, when I listen to MCs, those are the things I'm looking at. But sometimes even some MCs will educate you in their rhymes. Um, you know, and those are the things, those are the, that's the essence that I look when I work in music, um, you know, you know, putting out, you know, canon, you know, canon blast beats, as we say, you know, with hardcore rhymes, you know, bringing a, 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 a sense of, you know, um, uh, you know, putting out a sense of education out there and, and teachings and, 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 you know, metaphors and, and using language in a form that's creative and is positive and, is, and it feels good. You know, because a lot of times, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I hear music today that is, and it doesn't move me. And those are the things that I try to do when I work in music. I try to make music that moves people, whether it's physically or, you know, mentally. Let me ask you a question. Have you, uh, have you ever brought those two worlds together, your social work and your, your music background, your hip-hop background? Have you ever married the two? If I met, if you, what you mean, like in doing a you know, song like, talking about social issues? Either, either on a song talking about a socially relevant issue or using hip hop to connect with uh, the young people who you work with. And, Definitely. And, and Definitely. Use it as a piece of therapy. Definitely. Sometimes, you know, when when I begin to work with young people and 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 you know and you know cut you know sessions and months where has passed by where I have developed a you know, a decent relationship with them, and now we're communicating, and, and now they're telling me more about themselves. Sometimes, you know, I begin to, you know, because sometimes what happens, the young people are listening to music, you know, yeah. so sometimes I get involved in what they're listening to, you know, so they be, so we have conversations about hip-hop at times, and, and we begin to talk about what kind of music they talk, you know, into, and, you know, and I begin to ask them questions, you know, you know who's your favorite artist, who's, you know, just to get a good sense of where they're at with music in regards to who they like today and what kind of songs or lyrics they're listening to. And that's, you know, sometimes I utilize that to begin to, figure out where the mindset is at, you know, because sometimes when, uh, you know, sometimes some of the songs you hear that most of these young people are listening to, you could, you know, you could tell what's going on at times, not to say that they're actually doing it, but what's going on here, you know, why you like to listen, you know, listen to these types of music, you know, I don't hear you listening to nothing that's, you know, um, you know, that's going to say something that's provoking. You know, you like the gang banging stuff. You like the drug selling stuff. You know, <laughs> and yeah. and sometimes you know, sometimes you get to begin to ask questions. What's going on? You know, and and through that process, sometimes I begin to educate people about hip hop. Um, you know, my experience in regards to what you know how I experienced hip hop when I was younger. You know, growing up in the you know seventies and eighties. You know, so. And people sometimes they really want to hear these things because 
you know, it's never been done. You're giving them the attention. Again, it's about the attention. You're giving them the love and the care. So they, they you know, they, they begin to absorb this stuff because you're giving them the time to, you know, they talk and I'm allowing them to express themselves and then I'm giving them some of my expression. So it's a, it's a dialogue. And that's what we want to create because sometimes, you know, you want to create that dialogue and give them that respect and that sense of that because sometimes that's what they search. They want they want to be respected. They want to be cared for. You know, they want somebody to give them attention and don't treat them in a certain way because, like I said, sometimes I meet some of these young people and they're already beat down. Yeah. So a lot of times I have utilized hip-hop definitely. You know, I have, you know, some, some other – in my office, you know, it's interesting. When you walk in my office, I have quotes all over the walls, positive quotes. You know, you know, you know, um, you know, your past is the past. That's why it's called the past. Or you know, comments. You know, thought-provoking quotes and and comments. You know, from different people, from artists and movies, and because I want people, I want I want to provoke people to think. And it's really about thinking. Is and sometimes, you know, that's a, you know, it's a skill to think. And, and, and sometimes the thought process and what people are thinking about is not necessarily what they need to be thinking about in order to get them where they need to be at or where they want to be at, you know. And sometimes it's provoking them to say, listen, let's utilize a different approach. Let's begin to, okay. you know, even changing sometimes the way they speak and walk and, be, you know, and behave. Sometimes, you know, it's talking about that too, you know, the sag the pants sagging and all of this stuff. Sometimes, you know, you have to put it out there and, and take risk. You know, let's have a conversation. I'm not I'm not I'm not judging you, but let's have a conversation about this. You know, do you know the history of, of all this stuff? You know, let's talk about all this all these things. And sometimes when you begin to open the dialogue, you begin to, you know, educate and you know, because now they open to it. Now you know, you're going back and forth. They're educating you about who they are, and now you're educating them about your information, what you're trying to develop here. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you, um, in terms of hip hop, do you think that there's a market? I'm, I'm talking to you now as a as a as a as a, as a producer and a person who runs their own company. Do you think there's a market out there for socially relevant lyrics? Um, yes, there is. There's, there's definitely a market out there. You know, the, the the only thing is that sometimes what happens is that, again, you know, sometimes, my, my in my opinion, you got the so-called artists, you know, who get into this because they just want to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you have the, you know, the artists who are really, you know, are artists because you're doing this because you're an artist. This is what you do, you know. You know, even if you don't make money, this you're gonna do this. You know, and and <laughs> and 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 sometimes, you know, there is a market out there, but people get caught up. Like that's why I love my artists like Common, Talib Kweli, Nas. You know, these are people that are not on the limelight. You don't see their videos all the time. You don't hear their music being played on High Ninety Seven all the time. But they have music that is socially, you know, that is going to provoke you to think, and they speaking in a tone and in a language that's like, wow, you know, they, 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 you know, they're using their tongue a certain way, and it, it's, you know, and they speaking about things that are not being spoken about in other in other songs, and you know, and and so there is a market out there. It's just that that and that market necessarily people are not making the money that other rappers are making, and that's why 
you know, even the perception of some of these, you know, the rappers who I'm speaking about, you don't see them with the bling, you don't see them with the chains and, and you know, sport, you know, you, you know, so it's a different image. And a lot of times, you know, that's not the image that a lot of these young people are attracted to. That is so true. You know, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's something that, you know, we have to begin to communicate with them about. You know, what is it about having a, you know, because the first thing a lot of rappers think about, think about is, oh, the first chain, the gold chain. Ah, you know, you, you know, you want to get it, you want to get the biggest chain, and you yeah. know, so sometimes you have to begin to realize what's going on here because you hear all these stories about all these rappers who are now broke and had to borrow these chains for you know videos and all. You know, a lot of rappers are not really making the money they, you know, pretty much people think they're making, and that's the other thing that people, you know, young people need to realize. You know, not necessarily all these people are making that money like this. You know, the way pe the perception is out there. Oh, million. You know, some a lot of them are not making it that way. You know, and you know, so that's something that we need to educate the young people about because we need to also educate people. You know, young people are th these different markets in hip hop. There's different markets. So in in my in, yes, there is a market out there. You know, it's just that it's not being exposed as much as the other big corporations and big artists. You know. Mm. You know, well, because you know, the, it, you know, this, you know, it's is about how much exposure, you know, um, is being given to certain people, and you know, you know, Common is being exposed. But you know, when you think about, it, you know, do you see him as much as, let's say, somebody like Rick Ross, you know, who a lot of young people like at this point, you know, or, you know, or make, you know, or Meek, you know, what I'm saying. So these are the things that you know. Um, you know, I begin to speak about, you know, with these young folks because I want people to begin to think, you know, because after a while, what's going to happen? That's why you don't hear a lot of some of these rappers begin rappers. When you really think about a lot of these rappers, when they be, first began, you know, their rhymes were a lot different because a lot of them now, be, you know, now they became men and now they're 35, 40. And, and for the most part, those that are still rhyming, they're not rhyming about the same thing because now they got kids at, you know, 15, 18 so they cannot no longer put out there these songs and these kind of lyrics that are raunchy and talking about stuff that they're not actually doing no more. Yeah. You well, know, let but me, we, we don't know a lot of folks out there, you know, uh, how lying, and, and that's the other conversations that I have with a lot of young people that necessarily a lot of what these young, you know, a lot of rappers are saying is not true. Yeah. You know, we could be here for... Hours, but unfortunately, it's come to the end. <laughs> I gotta tell you, brother, brother, listen. I want to thank you, uh, brother Francisco, because this was such a educational um, and informative program. I mean, we kind of touched on a, a little bit of everything, but it all makes sense because I mean, it's just, it's just, I just find, I just find you to be very interesting because. Yeah, social work, you're dealing with social issues, and hip-hop came out of a social reality, and the music still drives over what happens in the hood to this day. And so you're That's attacking right. social issues on two fronts. I wish we could uh, continue this conversation. I'm going to have to bring you back for a part two, and I just no want to doubt. thank you for coming on and, and, and enlightening us with your, your personal story, your experience, and the kind of work that you're doing and I hope that the listening audience got as much out of it as I did. And to those teachers out there, take heed. Our children are redeemable. This has been right. a, 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 another week of the True School Show. 
Uh, we'd like to thank um, our producer. I'd like to thank my engineer, J.R. Strong. Uh, I'd like to thank Brother Jason and Sister Rafika. And until next week, we're out. Peace. All right, now. Brother Django. Wow, what's going on with this board? Hey, Brother Shango, my apologies. This board is, I don't know what's going on, but it's acting up. I've lost all control of it. <laughs>